what's more exciting than Eminem, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige and Snoop Dogg in the halftime show? It's the top of the podcast. We're talking about the IPL auction, New Zealand, India women. We'll also touch a little bit on the Australia, Sri Lanka T20s and some news on Will Pukowski as well. Coming up on the top of the podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. We're going to talk a little bit of IPL auction. So we've got to start with Hugh Edmeads of Cookbook Fame. No, we're not starting with him. Um, we're going to start. No, no, on- we can st- we can start with him. I, I was just uh, yeah, just shaking my head. I, I can't believe what happened. I, I honestly, I thought he died. I, I, I you know, I, I know. It's sort of slightly funny now because uh, of the mostly because that, he's okay. Yeah, because he because he uh, is you know recovered really relatively quickly it seemed and but geez it was a, a frightening moment i yeah i i got straight onto the slack channel and asked you guys if you were watching i thought he i honestly thought oh no he's dead yeah funnily or not funnily but funnily <laughs> i was watching the auction in the lead up to that and turned it over because i was like this guy has got teams wrong. He's getting bids wrong. It's so slow watching this auction. I think um, the Sri Lankan leg spinner was the player that was, w- was up for auction as as this unfolded. But then watching it back, the, the reactions of the teams was just, oh. oh, obviously, as they're going to be when the auctioneer collapses and almost takes out the podium. But yeah, look, wish him, uh, wish him well. It, apparently he'd recovered. He said he was fine to actually do the second day of the auction, but... Um, Charu Sharma, who's an Indian broadcaster, had stepped in to complete the first day and, and continued on um, with the second day. So, he yeah, did the last hour of the second day. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, there you go. Lack of research yet again um, catches me out. But we're not going to have a lack of research as we go through our IPL auction categories. So we're going to start with most surprising exclusion. So... Um, Lippy, I'm going to come to you first. So we're going to pick, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about a number of players, but we do want to narrow it down to, to one each. So who who are you got on your list as the most surprising exclusion from any of these 10 teams rosters for the season? And and that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, we, I guess, can touch a little bit there. I mean, we, we talked just before the show that I think the 10 teams certainly has had an impact, and we'll cover this in more depth when we, when we look at it, but... It, it does feel like that talent pool is now spread out. When you look at the sides, you, you don't see as many players that you think, geez, I really, like, they should definitely be in the starting lineup, but how are they going to fit them in? There's there's a lot more players who appear to be backups or, or at least on the Indian side, uh, you know, that, yeah, there looks to be gaps in some sides, whereas before it was about how do we fit all these excellent players in the side. And, and then I, I think that's probably why these players are so surprising because you think, there's that level of teams. Why didn't these guys get picked? And I mean, the obvious ones that when you look through are, are the likes of a Finch and an Owen Morgan and a, and a Milan, those three sort of prime batsmen, two captains of sides. You've got the the you know number one ranked world player at, at one time in T20 cricket. I actually think it's surprising that Paul Sterling wasn't picked up. He's been doing a great job. I know, you know, I know he plays for Ireland and they're not in the limelight, but there was a bit of buzz about him. He's been doing great in the PSL. He's been going around tournaments and, and smashing it. I, I think that's a mistake for them from an you know an IPL side because all it takes is one of those sides to go, look, I'm gonna give you a shot and him to come off and suddenly he's in that, you know, for the next five years. So I think that's a bit of a, a missed opportunity for those teams. But 
the 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 one that stood out to me the most was was Adam Zampa because you know as much as I don't like picking Australians, he's he's an uh, absolutely brilliant bowler. I wonder if uh, people are thinking the fact that he turned down to coming back to the IPL. I wonder if that had any. Uh, relevance at all you know and and we saw that a bit for the Australians some of those players that decided not to come back didn't get picked up it's pretty disappointing if that's the reason because there was so much at play during that that second round of the IPL in 2021 but yeah look I I couldn't believe he's not picked he's just such a a class bowler and he can kind of do all the different things in T20 cricket he can take you wickets but he can also bowl really tight overs so look Spin is such a big factor. I think it's a, a huge loss that he's not there. Baldy, over to you. Who, who are you surprised didn't make a, make this junket? Well, I have a bee in my bonnet about leg spin in general because if you have a look at the who's who of players not picked, you've got Adil Rashid from England, you've got Adam Zampa from Australia or Zampa, depending on how <laughs> bogan you are, uh, Tab- Tabaray Shamsi from, from South Africa, Ish Sodi from New Zealand, and uh, Shakib Al Hassan, the left arm finger spinner from Bangladesh. There's four or five international quality spin bowlers that you would think would be impactful in those conditions. None of them are going to break your bank, but none of them have been selected. And that astounds me that there are that many quality spin bowlers that haven't been picked up in this draft. Yeah, following on from that, I've got a leg spinner as probably the one that I'm going to go with. Um, I think a little bit like Lippy, I'm, I'm really surprised uh, by the fact that number one world T20 batsman of not too long ago, David Milan, didn't get picked up. But what a horrible week for him um, being dropped from the England Test Match squad um, for the Caribbean Tour and then not getting picked up in this auction. Did have a relatively high base price, which you know might come into things a little bit. I was also surprised that Owen Morgan... Um, wasn't picked up as a tactician more than anything. Again, relatively high base price. Um, but again, um, it's just carrying on the trend of, you know, um, getting world-class England legends and just leaving them out of sides. <laughs> but I've got to go with Adil Rashid. But Even I- though he's an Irish-born player. Well, just have a look at Crick Info, Matt, and see who he's currently captain of. Uh, I think you'll find it's a World Cup winning side. But anyway, um, let, let's go on to Adil Rashid. And the reason I, I've got him ahead of Zampa and ahead of some of those other guys is um, a little bit like Zampa. He's very much a three-dimensional bowler. He can take your wickets. He can dry things up. But we've seen for England, he's opened the bowling at times. He's bowled in the power play. He's bowled in the middle overs and has, has even operated at the near the death on occasions as well, uh, normally when Chris Jordan's gone for 27 off three <laughs> balls. Um, but also he adds a little bit with the bat as well. Very unorthodox player. And when you look at the way that you know IPL sides are structured to bat really, really deep. I'm just surprised, not only that he's not got a gig in this tournament, but that he's not got a gig um, really at all in the, in, in, the, in the history of the tournament as well. Yeah, I think just thinking about you guys have chosen a lot of spinners there who have missed out. I think in India or in, in the IPL, they tend to think that their local players can actually carry that burden of, of being the spin bowler in the side, and they obviously aren't an overseas player, so, so that, that gives them more value. So that, that's a reason, but... My, I do have another question for the panel. Feel free, whoever wants to answer this. Do you think the fact that there have been a number of players who have pulled out this year from a lot of those countries, the English players, the Australian players who didn't come back for the second half of the IPL last year, uh, Kyle Jamieson pulling out as well, mm. do you think that has an effect on, on who they're picking in this particular auction, thinking forwards like that? Look, I'll, I'll make this point brief. I don't know the answer, but I'll just throw this in. We were talking before we came to record about the 10 teams and 
maybe that the talent's actually spread a little bit thinner than we would have expected when you look at some of those teams. So I'm surprised that we haven't seen some of those players picked up um, for that reason that, you know, th- there isn't now with the 10 teams the same sort of depth. And y- you're allowed, I think, eight overseas players on your roster and four can play. Mm. Um, and look, I-, I-, I guess the spin point, it's one that's tried out quite a lot. But, you know, India have got a batting line or seven batting lineups that could play T20 and, and ODI cricket um, as well as spin. So, and the and the big name batsmen go for some serious coin as well. So I, I think there's a real mixture of talent that's in there. But um, look, I hope it doesn't come into it because I think you've got to be aware of what the players have gone through over the last two or three years. But um, maybe that's the player identification guy's job to actually sound these people out and go, do you know what? what, what are your thoughts here on whether or not you might forfeit the IPL um, in terms of giving yourself a break from from bubbles at some point. And, and England do play a lot of cricket as well. That's yeah. It probably is a factor, I would suggest, in some of those England players that, you know, their availability for every game of the IPL is is probably going to be not as much as, as some of the other players and, and potentially Australia as well. Raj, over to you for your, your omission. Yeah, I actually had uh, Shakib Al Hassan uh, as not being picked up. I was surprised because he is the kind of all rounder that can win you the game with, with either the bat or the ball. You just plonk him in the middle of the, the order there, either four, five, or six, and he'll do the job with the ball, and he can he can win you a game with the bat as well. But he had a poor IPL in, in two thousand and twenty one, uh, and you know he had that same issue there where he had a two crore price tag. Uh, so it probably scared a lot of people off. But, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't get a go. His antics have got to be scaring people off as well. Yeah, I, that's I, true. I mean, I, I think that dressing room stuff actually must have a bit of an impact. And I, I know it's, uh, you know, we've talked about some of those guys, and I'm not by any means suggesting that the likes of Finch and Morgan are bad dressing room guys. But if we're talking about that a big name player, bringing a big name player into your environment and then having them as your backup, Maybe that is a bit of a distraction because it obviously became a distraction with Warner. I know that was something completely different and weird Sunrise's Hyderabad kind of decision. But when you're picking a guy and, you know, they're supposed to be a big name player and suddenly they're just sitting on the bench, maybe that actually is a a bit of a, a downer for your squad and you're better off picking guys that actually fill roles. So let's move on to the results of the auction. So who do we think is our biggest waste of craw? Lippy, I'm going to start with you. Well, I yeah, I thought about a, a few different people, and and one of them was actually Jofra, and and mainly in the fact that it doesn't look like he's going to play this IPL, and you know it's it, in in normal terms, I, I think he's been a cracking IPL player. He's offers you so much with bat and with with ball and 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 with the bat, and like you just said, Binksy, that you know it's it is really important that you have kind of those players that can come in at eight and nine that can just go from ball one and and hit big sixes, but. The the one that actually stood out to me and might come as a bit of a surprise because it's not really it's not really a, even a recognised name that much anymore. But it's Shivam Dubey, and and the reason I picked him is because he got picked up for four crore. I think the the year before he played for um played for RCB and played in sort of these players that have just I don't know he's someone that's had a lot of expectation around him that he was here in uh, on a New Zealand tour a while ago and that was sort of supposed to be when he was kind of breaking into the Indian side and was going to be this excellent all-rounder that could offer something with bat and ball and be a really destructive player I just don't think he's lived up to it and I don't really see why he even is still I mean I'm sure he's worthy of being picked up but 
at that price and and uh, you know a, a real bidding war in, in some sense. It it just makes no sense to me. I, I don't think he should have been getting paid that much money. Rosh. Uh, for me, I've got Rahul uh, Tavatia. He he had a base price of 40 luck going into that auction and he ended up getting nine crore. Uh, his biggest claim to fame and what he's sort of ridden this auction on is, is hitting five sixes off a Sheldon Cottrell over in the IPL 2020. Uh, look, but last season in the IPL, he took eight wickets and scored a total of 155 runs at a strike rate of 105, you know. Mm. Uh, I think that he... He is a, a big waste of craw, in my opinion. Um, he also, in the domestic T20 Cup, which just um, was it was earlier, in, uh, late last year, managed a total of 50 runs at four wickets as well. So I'm not 100% sure where this come from. But, um, yeah, waste of craw for me. I'm going to stick with, or not stick with, but I'm going to go to, to Australia um, via Singapore, I think. Um, Tim David... Uh, I cannot believe when you kind of put it into the context of the other Australian players on that list in terms of Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood and a, and a few others going for less than um, a guy who really hasn't had that sort of same impact, obviously, um, on the international stage. I just wonder whether there's a little bit of recency bias in there. He's gone so well in the PSL over the last, uh, what, three or four weeks, but his big bash stats this year weren't stellar they weren't absolutely standout so for 1.5 million um aussie dollars that is so yeah someone asked to do the conversions xc.com is a good place to start um, that, that'd be uh, that'd be my biggest waste of crawl baldy i had a i had a slightly different formula here and i think that the rajasthan royals as good as they have been in this auction, have paid overs for Shimron Hitmeyer. He's a great player, so I don't think it's a waste of money per se, but they've paid eight and a half crore for Shimron Hitmeyer in a side where his role is probably not guaranteed. There are lots of other similarly talented players on less money in that team that are overseas players. So I think that the um, Rajasthan Royals, and we'll get to them, have paid overs for Shimron Hitmeyer. So... Probably the best pun of the podcast coming up. Who is the most crawsome by? Self-proclaimed best, best pun. It's a crawful pun. <laughs> come to me, Binksy. I'm going to come to you, Raj, because you're the only one not to have criticised my excellent pun. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, that was very good. Very good. I was, I was laughing inside. Um, <laughs> to, uh, it's interesting because for my most crawsome by, I actually have Tim David who uh, you thought was a waste of, waste of craw. But I, I just think it's an absolute Cinderella story. You know, a guy whose base price was 70K AUD, I've done the exchange rate, ended up going for that that 1.5 million binks you were saying. He's got, he's, is he the highest paid Australian in the yes. IPL now? Yep. Like, uh, I, of the players who were auctioned, yeah. Yeah, I just think I think it's a great story, and, and he has done it by performing around the world. You know, he's played in the Big Bash, he's played in the PSL, scored runs. Uh, Mumbai, if you listen to Mr. Ambani, the owner's uh, interview afterwards or read it, he was very keen on um, bringing him to town, and they said they've been watching him since he received his scorches cap from Adam Gilchrist back in 2018. So look, to be honest, he's gone from strength to strength, and I think it's a, a great story. Can Does he, he can he sing? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and we see him in the 11 as one of the four overseas players. I know they've obviously got Joffre, who's unlikely to, to play. I think of, of any of the teams, Mumbai have, have a very strong Indian contingent. Uh, so I haven't actually looked at the full squad yet. You've caught me out a couple of weeks before our preview show. But I think that he, he is someone that they will look to play. I don't know whether he's guaranteed, Big C. I don't want to give too much away, but I'd have him in their 11. 
Fair enough. Stay tuned for that, Michelle. Um, <laughs> and Bordy, let's, let's let's come to you for your most crossing by. Well, I think there are a couple of guys again who who we've paid unders for, right? In terms of the of the way that they've kind of come through their auction. Um, the one for me that is going to be a little bit controversial, just because he's controversial in himself, is our Ashwin. I think he was a great buy. I think he sold for what four. Uh, or five, the yeah, five crore in the end, but a really, really good buy uh, for his team who have done very well in the auction. Uh, and I had KS Barat as well. I know that he's going to be understudied to Rishabh Punt at the Delhi Caps, but I think he's also a good buy, only two crore. And of course, uh, T Natarajan as well. He had a breakout season a couple of years ago, and buy. I think he's a really good buy, very only good buy. four crore for him. So they're the guys that have stood out for me as being good value for money in terms of those um, of those teams who've got them in auctions. Honestly, how have we got this far without talking about Devin Conway? I, honest, this is absolutely ridiculous. The one crore, honestly, come on, he's value. He, he is value. the hands down the best value in this. He's going to play every single game for CSK. He's your he's your backup wicketkeeper if something happens to Dhoni. He's gonna he can bat anywhere in the top four. He can play a number of different roles. He's averages through the roof in um, you know not just international cricket but in all you know in the last five years of uh, you know first class cricket here in New Zealand. I I think it's stunning that there was only one bid for him. I yeah I just cannot cannot believe that. Um, We've teed that up beautifully for you to have you go last with that. That's well done from us. <laughs> yeah, look, super super planning there. I mean, I, I will throw in a couple of other names in there. I think Fabian Allen is someone who really has gone under the radar and, and another player who's, I mean, he's gone for 75 luck, which is just, you know, that's not, I mean, it's obviously a lot of money for, for us around the table here, but it's uh, for, for in terms of the IPO auctions, it's, it's really, really low. And... I think he's someone who probably play mm-hmm. and play a, a significant role in this tournament. He's again someone who kind of can can tick a number of boxes. He can uh, contribute with the bat. He's a you know a really good bowler. He's an excellent excellent fielder. So yeah, I, I think he's a, an, another one. And you know. and and Mumbai lost Krunal Pandya as well, so they'll be looking for spin options to replace that uh, going into the season as well. Well, speaking of Krunal Pandya, my pick for most cross and buy comes from the look now, Super Giants, um, and I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with a West Indian, Kyle Mayers, um, who got picked up for uh, fifty lakh, I think, um, which is sixty six thousand US dollars there or thereabouts. Um, xc.com other exchange rate sites are available and look the reason i think he's a really good sponsored by them was saying what's going on i don't know it's the only one i can think of um the 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 reason i i think it's a good buy and look i'm giving luck now super giants a little bit of credit here in terms of their auction planning is there's a couple of other west indians in that side including his former test captain jason holder um as well as evan lewis as well so i think that when you get players from the same country that are playing in a franchise it often helps from a um, some of that sort of comfort factor and probably that confidence that you might get from the players that he's played a little bit of international cricket um and look i I think he's a chance to get into that uh, to get into that side as well um, as a you know an all rounder, so it offers yeah offers some options. Um, interestingly, might be um, a case of him or Holder um, as the tournament progresses. But yeah, he's my um, he's my value for money pick. And let's move on now to who's had the the best auction. Why don't you start us off here, Raj? Yeah, so I think the Rajasthan Royals uh, had a really good auction. I think they spent their money really wisely. The Shimron Hitmeyer, uh, you know, little. 
little 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 bubble, little blimp uh, aside. I think they've got an incredible side uh, from an Indian perspective. They've got Ashwin, uh, Devdutt Padigal, Prasadi Krishna, Chahil as well, uh, Navdeep Saini. It just goes on and on. Sanju Sampson, Jaiswal, Rian Prague, they're, they're all there. And then you add in the likes of Bolt, Hitmeyer, uh, Jimmy Nisham, Coulter Nile, uh, Rassi Vanderdussen, Daryl Mitchell, Joss Butler. It just keeps going. They're, they're going to look like a, a really good team. And as we've already alluded to at the start of the, the podcast here, with the 10 teams, it does look like a, it has watered down a little bit, uh, some of the teams. But but this side, the Rajasthan Royals are absolutely stacked. Uh, and I'll just jump on the back. They're, they're the, who I had down there. I mean, so impressive that after day one, they had their bowling attack sorted. And, and they didn't have to pay huge amounts for, for those when you kind of line them up against the others. Bolt, obviously... Got a, a fair whack for, you know, 1.6 New Zealand dollars. That's a, a fairly handy payday. But, you know, even that, you know, Chah- getting Chahal and Krishna and Ashwin, there's your bowling attack. You've just done it straight away. And, and you already had um, those players like Sanju Sampson and, and uh, uh, Josh, Josh Butler already yep. in, the, in the bank. So, yeah, I think they've done a, a brilliant job. And, and to pick up Nisham and uh, and Mitchell within two minutes of each other, I think right at the end, just as as backups yep. to to fill roles, I think that's that's awesome. And uh, yeah, going to be going to be supporting them probably uh, in a large part of this tournament with all the the Kiwis around. What about you, Bingsy? Who do you think went well in the auction? Well, look, Rajasthan Royals, but we've already gone into that, so I'll pick someone else. And I, look, I'm going to come back to Lucknow, actually. I, I think if you look at the players that they got as pre-auction picks, uh, Ravi Bishnoi, who's had, you know, really good IPL credentials. Marcus Stoinis, who, you know, has gone for a decent amount of lack, but um, again, has added a lot in those sort of uh, tournaments and is versatile in terms of where he can bat in that order as well. And then, yeah, marquee player, I suppose, KL Rahul. Um, again, a, a fair amount of coin for him, but... Um, Again, you know, is that kind of marquee player. But when you add the recruitment that they've done, um, Mark Wood for a bit of pace, Quinton de Kock, who you would think is going to be available always um, for them now, he's given away Test cricket, uh, Jason Holder, Evan Lewis, uh, Deepak Huda, Krunal Pandya is a great pickup as well. Um, so look, I think they've, they've had a really, really good auction, um, or, or auction even. Um, and look, I think could be, yeah, could be one of those new expansion teams to watch out for in this issue of the tournament. Baldy. Well, you guys have talked about the first two that I would have said, and that's the Royals and also the Lucknow Super Giants. So I'll go with the Delhi Caps, and they they retained four players, and they had pretty big names in terms of the players they retained. So they retained Akshar Patel, Prithvi Shaw, Anrik Nokia, and Rishabh Pant. But they've picked up at auction. They've picked up Shaldor Takua. They've picked up uh, Mitchell Marsh. They've picked up David Warner. And they've picked up a whole bunch of supporting cast. Rovman Powell, K.S. Barat, Kuldeep Yadov, The Fizz. Uh, Naga Koti is an underrated buy for them. Lungi and Gidi as well as another overseas player. So they've picked up a really, really, really well-balanced side. And there's a lot of Indian talent right at the top of the order. I mean, you have a look at their four highest. Four highest players are all Indian players. Pant, Thakur, Patel, Prithvi Shaw, and then you've got Marsh, Nokia, and Warner in there as well. So there's a lot to like about the the. But they've had a big retool as well. They lost their captain in Shreyas Iyer to a, you know, to another franchise, and they've lost a bunch of players in 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 you know um, Shikadawan and a couple of others. But they've retooled on the fly really, really well, and I like what they've done. 
And look, just before we move on, I know Binksy's trying to move us on to the, the next segment of the show. But we've look, I just want to point out that we've there's 12 Kiwis uh, in this IPL, which is a huge number really compared to, you know, we normally just don't see very many players picked up at all. There's always a, a big complaint afterwards uh, that we don't see enough Kiwis. But yeah, awesome to see so many pickups. And also, I, I'm really interested to see it's really cool that we got the under-19 World Cup and then straight into this auction because a whole bunch of them, including DeWalt Brevis, who um, has been picked up by Mumbai Indians for a fairly decent price uh, for a youngster. So, yeah, it's kind of cool that we now get to see them go into the, the big stage now of the IPL and see how they perform. Well, look, that does wrap the IPL segment. We are going to come with a preview show um, over the course of the next few weeks um, leading into that. So mental note to ourselves that we, we need to pick Lucknow, Rajasthan <laughs> and the Delhi Capitals as, as some of our uh, top four. Um, but anyone who wants to go and get early money, um, don't go and bet on those guys um, to win the tournament. And I'm sure um, you'll probably have a good result at the TAB. Let's wrap up some other goings other on. Other betting services are available. Thank you, Bordy. Um, let's wrap up some other cricket. Please do bet responsibly. Let's wrap up some... <laughs> let's wrap... Oh, me wanting to move on with the podcast. Okay. Um, look... Let's let's move on to some other goings on in the world of cricket. We've got the White Ferns in action against India here in New Zealand at the moment. What takeaways have we got from uh, the T20s and obviously the ODIs as well? And the isolation requirements, there's a whole bunch of stuff to kind of uh, get into this little segment. Yeah, look, so, I mean, we're recording this on a Tuesday night and... It- you know, this will probably come out later in the week now, but what an incredible performance from from New Zealand today. They won, we're, we're recording it straight after the second ODI. We've got Amelia Kerr just scoring her first 100, actually, in uh, ODI cricket. She has scored a double 100 against uh, Ireland, uh, you know, a lot, quite a few years ago now as a, as a 16-year-old, or might have even been a 15-year-old, I believe. But, yeah, look, incredible performance from her. When we talked last week, I think we were talking about how the the – White Fern's performance is really going to be judged by how some of those big name players go. And today they were chasing 270, which is a big score in anyone's language. Huge score in women's cricket. And they, they were 50 for three with Divine, Bates and Satterthwaite gone. And you look at that situation and in recent times, I, I know they've been playing England and, and Australia, two sides that have been very, very strong traditionally and, and you know probably the top two sides in, in the world at the moment almost with without any debate. But to to get up from that performance with those three num- names gone, the way Amelia Kerr played, I was just yeah, so, so impressed. I, I'm, you know, I have to say this, uh, saying that I largely was following on on the radio and, and uh, you know, online on Crick Info. I've been at work most of the day, but managed to catch kind of the last four or five overs and, and the way she managed that innings and, and got us over the line. It's, yeah, super, super impressive stuff. Yeah, Amelia Kerr is going to get a lot of plaudits for her work in this series, but I actually think that her partner in that chase, Maddie Green, has been excellent for New Zealand. I was watching the highlights of one of the, the T20s where she had, I think, a 25 or a 30, mm. a real cameo knock, but just looked like a classy player. Was hitting the ball on the up over the offside, was hitting the ball with the straight bat. She just looks like she's just starting to ooze a bit of class and come into her own as a cricketer. So I'm really impressed with what Maddie Green has done in this series, and I think she's going to be one of those big three, big four for New Zealand for a long period of time. Yeah, well, look, she's going to be a crucial person because, you know, I think that they changed up the batting lineup in this game they they moved Sophie Devine up to the top of the order she they've been sort of playing I don't think they've figured out really where Sophie Devine's we're not not where her best spot is because I think 
if you ask most people, her best spot is opening. That's where she can do the most damage in the side. But because of the way the other, the rest of the batting lineup has looked, it's been a case of if those big names don't don't fire, the rest of the batting line fold, batting lineup folds. And and you saw that a bit in the first in uh, first ODI where Susie Bates scored a hundred, and then we went from you know this real position of power where we should have got a really big score, and the back end just kind of lost its way a little bit. And yeah, I, I think that they're, they're still figuring out where Su- uh, Sophie Devine's going to bat. I would love to see her opening and, and, you know, really just say, go for it. Like Su- Susie Bates and Sophie Devine are going to open and then we're just going to back at the rest of our players. That's why we've picked all these players. And if, and if Maddie Green's going to be someone in that mix, it's going to be really, really valuable for the rest of this lineup. So we touched upon this in our previous podcast, uh, previewing the South Africans uh, entry for the men's test series around managed isolation requirements. A little bit of press uh, around this in the women's game as well. Lippy, what can you tell us? Yeah, well, I mean, it's as simple as that The all the women's sides that have come here have had to do the hard 10 days quarantine. I, I think that, well, the, the Indian side that came here early have, have managed to kind of get around that, and, and that's largely due to, to numbers. The fact that they've been able to come early and you know, not all arrive at the same time has, has made a big difference and meant that they can go out and train after, I think, day two or day three or whenever they um, present their first negative tests on arrival. But then the all the other sides that have come, I think there's been about four or five that have arrived, obviously in preparation for the tournament, and they, they were all hoping, I think, that they would be able to have kind of the similar requirements, that they would go down to Lincoln and be able to train quarantine around you know around the Christchurch area and then go out and train at Lincoln but it just hasn't been a, uh, an option for them I, I think they said that they could have accommodated one or two of the sides but you know then obviously you're running into favoritism and yeah it just didn't work out so we it remains to be seen I guess how much of a, a factor that is you know leading into a big tournament I'm sure all those sides it does disrupt their their build-up um, but they they are still arriving with two or three weeks in hand for the tournament, and then there's a bunch of warm up games before that hand. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's obviously a disruption, but I don't think anyone's going to be using it as an excuse for for why they're not on top form come the the business end of the tournament. Let's jump across the Tasman to Australia, Sri Lanka being hosted for T20s. I'm going to go to our Vice President of Player Identification. You've got yourself um, on someone in that Australian side that you like the look of, uh, Raj. And then we'll come on a little bit to talk about a tied game and a super over um, and some other stuff going on in Australian cricket as well. But Raj, to to you, who do you like the look of? Yeah, a real highlight for me has been um, a Josh Inglis. Uh, he's, he's looked really good with the bat. Uh, he slotted into that number three role that's been vacated by Mitchell Marsh, who's gone to spend some time with his family in, in Western Australia after being on the road for a long time. Uh, he, the thing about English, he just brings a lot of energy to the crease. He does that reverse sweep. I think he reversed his he did a reverse sweep off his fourth ball in international cricket for four. And he just he's just looked really good, uh, really good at the crease. I haven't seen him with the gloves. Have you have you kept an eye on him with the gloves? Yeah, look, I saw him with the gloves, I think, in the big bash and, and look was really impressed. He looks probably, and I think I said this on the Ashes preview, the purest keeper of the guys that we were talking about. Um, with your Alex Carey's, your 
uh, the guy with the short sleeves. Jimmy Pearson. Jimmy Pearson. That's the one. Um, so look, I'm actually surprised that he didn't get a go with the gloves. We know what Matthew Wade's going to offer you. Not even saying that they would have needed to leave Matthew Wade out of the side. They've clearly got him earmarked as that sort of finishing option at six or seven. Mm. Could have even easily left him there. And, you know, English could have give, been given a go with the, with the gauntlets. Um, but yeah, he's looked, he's looked the goods. Really, really, really like the look of him. What about the series so far? A couple of games in, um, we've seen a, a super over, which Hazelwood d- defended superbly, didn't he? Only going, I think, for four or five in bowling. Yeah, five. Yeah. Uh, excellent from Josh Hazelwood. And he's becoming almost our best T20 player, Josh Hazelwood. Uh, two, you know, two or three months, maybe not two or three months ago, but certainly prior to the T20 World Cup, not many people talking about Josh Hazelwood as being one of the world's premier T20 bowlers, but he did it, was it against... A, it was a question that he would be in that lineup, wasn't it? Absolutely. Probably until the IPL. Yep, and then absolutely. he had that brilliant IPL for CSK and then he hasn't looked back. Yeah, dominated South Africa in that first crucial low-scoring game in the in the opening of the World Cup and really hasn't looked back since. Made good money in the IPL auction and he's, and he's added again in this series. So he's done really, really well. Obviously, Marcus Stoinis recovered from a pretty poor last over to concede a bunch of runs. I mean, Sri Lanka made 45 off 18 yeah. to get themselves to that super over. So, you know, bowling in the in the in what they call the death overs, still an issue for the Australian side. But Josh Hazelwood, I mean, man, he's been excellent. And he's and he's gone in this one now, two for 14 off his uh, first two overs. Uh, sorry, none for 14 off his first two overs in this third one that is live as we record. And what do you two think about Shane Warne? He's, you know, obviously can't name his own deliveries anymore but he's given this sort of round arm leg spinner and um, it's been bowled by Hasaranga the, the nickname of the Undertaker I believe what what are your thoughts on that is that one you had in the locker Baldy? Uh I did but only because that's my stock delivery is the low arm left <laughs> the, the low arm uh, leg spinning delivery look Shane Warne had 55 names for the ball that goes straight let's be honest with each other so I'm not surprised that he started to name other leg spinners deliveries um, Hasaranga could take it as a sign of of his uh, upcoming or his rise in world cricket stocks that Shane Warner's decided to name a delivery after him because he doesn't do it for very many play- other other I'll, cricketers. And I'll jump in kind of on a serious note is this Sri Lanka side's a really fun mm. side to watch. Mm. So many, so many interesting kind of young players that can do lots of different things. Bully, you must be loving the uh, the Malinga clone. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen the Malinga clone Malinga. yet, but, but, it, but it is genuinely... Yeah, oh, it wow. is. Just, they've kind of got some freeze frame, I think, of where it's coming from, and it, it's almost out of the the left breast pocket of the umpire. So that you know they've done a few of those sort of superimposed things and release heights and things like that. So yeah, I do want to pick up on that because I think that the Sri Lankan side they're actually showing no fear. They're playing with mm. a lot of confidence, which is very hard to do to go to Australia and, and play cricket like that. So I'm really looking forward to the rest of this series. I, unfortunately, I did not see that super over game. I haven't seen the highlights, but. Um, Sound like it was a good one. Yeah, fantastic. And Bordy, look forward to seeing the Ultimate Warrior come out on Saturday from you. I, I don't know what you're going to bowl, but that, that should okay. be the name of your, your delivery. Let's move on to some potentially sad news for Australian cricket fans. Will Pukowski, unfortunately, a, a, it sounds really innocuous. A volleyball has grazed his head to give him his 11th concussion. Uh, Victorian coach, um, I think Sean Graff has come out and said they're going to have to have a serious conversation because it means that they're having to carry around almost a concussion substitute for him all the time. Mm. What does this look like? Do we think it's it's probably too early to tell, but thoughts in the in the immediate aftermath of that? Yeah, way too early to tell from his long-term health point of view, but obviously a lot of members of the media have picked up that it's his 11th concussion and, it, and he has been out for a long period of time with varying injuries. Obviously, he 
dislocated his shoulder on test debut and that put him out for a while and he's had a couple of concussions since then. In this case, it's not a, a ball to the to the head while batting, but a, a, like you say, a reasonably innocuous volleyball um, hit him in the head in training. Unfortunately, and I know this from, from personal experience, members of my close family have had challenges with concussion over their lifetime. Once you've had a few concussions, it doesn't take much of an impact to cause those concussion-like symptoms and the period for recovery becomes longer and longer and longer the more concussions you have. So it is going to be a health concern for him. I think from his point of view, I hope that he doesn't pay too much attention to all the media pundits that are telling him that, you know, he has to retire and he really should consider his future. He should do all of those things, but he should do that in conjunction with sound medical advice and he'll be getting those kind of, you know, advice from the medicos that he that he needs and hopefully he can get back out there on the cricket field because he is a prodigious talent from for australia and long term he would be the answer at the top of the order for us so i hope that he gets it back on the field for his sake and and also for the sake of the australian fans no it's just sad isn't it because he's just such a talented talented player and you just want to see guys like that get on the field and you know you know when we were talking about him first getting into the australian side yeah we were talking about him someone who could be in that side for for a very long time so yeah, look, it's, uh, it's it's just a shame. I did want to pick up on, before we, we kind of leave Australia, we had in that T20, uh, in the, the T20 game, the uh, this overrate penalty uh, for, for slow overrate. And and uh, I, I honestly, I have to admit, I just did not know that this was a rule at all. So basically, uh, if you have a slow overrate in T20 cricket, international cricket now, and when it comes to the last over, if you don't start that by the, the recognised time, instead of having five players out as part of your power play, you only have four players out. I don't, don't know if there, there is then further punishments and, and all of that, or if it, you know, once you get to that point in time, whether it starts being the 19th over or the 18th over or whatever it is. But I actually just loved that. I thought that that's an absolutely brilliant way to... I guess benefit the team that you're actually playing against because we see so many different scenarios where it's yeah uh, demerit points or you know whatever someone gets uh, a monetary fine that they don't really seem to care about but yeah I just thought it was a, a brilliant way to actually uh, give the team that they're playing some sort of benefit and it's the kind of you know in a T20 game where every run can matter at various points it could have a huge impact on on swinging a game. Yeah, I, I guess I couldn't agree more with your points. And you, you know me, I love a draconian um, <laughs> punishment for these kind of things. But as you've mentioned, even in the Test Championship, we've seen slow overrates still absolutely the scourge of the game. And, and teams don't seem to really mind that they're going to get docked points in the, you know, in the series or it's all about that one game. So having something that affects the, potentially affects the result of the game. And I think you could probably say, you know, it did on this occasion is great. I'd liken it to tennis really where you know you've got the ability to dock points for that kind of thing slow play um, within a game of tennis and, and often um, when you're trying to slow things down it's when it's a crucial point in the game and all of a sudden um, 30 all turns into you know 30 40 and then you you have actually impacted the game so yeah couldn't agree more think it's fantastic yeah just picking up on that I had a bit of banter with a, a few people about this and and someone did say to me that uh, it actually doesn't like it doesn't harm a slow overrate doesn't harm the opposition. Where do you guys sit on that? Because I, I sit probably more on what you just said, Binksy, that often a side is slowing the game down to try and uh, pull back momentum. You know, when a, a batting side is hitting it to all parts, 
you slow the game down or in a tight game, you, you slow it down so that they have to kind of reset their scenarios. But yeah, what, what do you guys think? I think it's particularly impactful in test cricket because in a 50 over game, you still have to bowl your 50 overs. But if you only bowl 86 overs in a day, that's four overs of batting that your opposition has missed out on, on in that day's cricket. So I think it becomes even more important in test cricket and potentially the penalty there is that you don't field with one of your fielders for the last four or five overs or whatever it is for the day and you imagine how much you know a side could cash in when you've got a tired flagging field and you can only put eight guys on the field you know there's going to be gaps everywhere and you could get five six seven and over from those last four or five overs if you're short so I think it's a fantastic rule I think it should be applied in all formats and I think they should get even more creative in test cricket by removing a fielder and potentially allowing the batting side to choose which fielder they remove from the game batting side should get to pick the bowler <laughs> Yeah, look, I've got nothing really more to, to add. I, I don't think it really matters what the context of the game is. I think it's pretty clear that you get given your time to bowl your overs, you get allowances for everything. Yep. You get allowance for wickets. You get allowances for when Foxy Rover gets in the way. You know, you've got all of these things that give you those allowances. So I don't see any reason why not. Um, and look, I, I'd agree with Lippy. You know, I'd make it even more draconian. And I think <laughs> what what if you miss your overrate target bowling first, you don't get that over when you're batting. You still have to bowl your fifty, but you only get to chase off forty nine. Um, sort the men out from the boys. And look, b- before we finish the show, Raj, there's a couple of points that you wanted to pick up on. Um, obviously, the the West Indies India series has uh, moved on, and now we're kind of moved on to the. Uh, to the ODIs that are starting later on this week or you know, probably around about when this podcast might come out. But a couple of points you wanted to raise, just larger points about that series and, and what you've noticed. Yep, so the, the, as you said, the ODI series is wrapped up. Um, India won that quite comprehen- comprehensively. We'll just leave that there. I do want to talk a little bit about the West Indies batting um, and Pollard the Oracle, as we've titled this part of the the segment. I was reading an article where basically the headline was, and I, I scoffed, uh, it was saying that Pollard was just saying that we need to bat 50 overs. As you know, when we go out to bat, we need to bat our 50. And I'm like, that's something that's, it's important, but it's too simplistic for an international cricket team. Club, to, club sides talk about that. Yeah, to be thinking about. Raj sent it to me, and we 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 both were just laughing, like, "Oh, good one, yeah, good idea." But I read a little bit deeper into it um, at the conclusion of that series, and I found that the West Indies have failed to bat their full fifty overs when batting first in their last eight ODIs. That's like that, that's that's a shocker. That, that's um. That there needs to be a serious investigation uh, to, uh, to to mimic Jeff Toovey there. But what do you guys think about that? Like that that's actually something that is so uh, fundamental to cricket. Why, why is this something that the West Indies are focusing on? Because they can't do it. <laughs> it's an area of focus because they can't bat through their overs. I, I don't know if it's a if it's a hangover of T Twenty cricket and they're just going too hard for too long and they just can't keep it up, or they've got no one to really pace their innings. They've got Bravo in the side ostensibly to do that, but he hasn't been able to kind of bat through and do that job and be the I can't believe I'm saying it anchor that the rest of their innings bat around. It's it's a real problem for the West Indies at the moment because they've got heaps of firepower, but they just can't stay on the field for long enough to use it. Yeah, probably. I mean, it probably is a bit of the you know they haven't they're not really the stability in that side as well, and the lineups and the teams have been changing, and you know maybe that that plays a bit of a factor. But yeah, like you say, it's 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 something that's so, so fundamental to actually winning a game of cricket. I mean, you know, we talked about the White Ferns before, and and they they were in such a brilliant position in that first ODI, and they ran out they 
got themselves in a position where they wasted two overs of that game and didn't have a factor, but every ball and every run plays a, a part in T20, or in, in, even in ODI cricket now, and, and yeah, it's something they're going to have to look at going forward. I just like the irony that Pollard got a first ball duck in the only game that he played in the series. So, uh, but no, look, that's not uh, not a dig at, at Karen Pollard. He's look, he's fantastic, and I think he commands respect with what he says. Um, Raj, you want to close things off though? I do. Just I just want to. The other talking point to come out of that ODI series was the the Indian batting order. So they, they did the Indian camp did say they would be experimenting uh, through this series. Um, the they opened the batting with three different pairs of openers. So they opened with Ishan Kishan in the in the first game, followed by uh, Pant in the second game, and uh, Darwin in the in the third game. There, it looks to me like Darwin might be the preferred option, which is a change because we thought that that would be KL Rahul. But then that causes a massive uh, a bit of congestion in the Indian middle order. You've got Kohli, KL Rahul, Shreya Sire, Shreya Kumar Yadav, Rishabh Pant uh, to really fit in the next three or four spots, depending on what that makeup is. Um, and the issue with batting six batsmen is that they only have those five because none of those players are all-rounders. They've only got the five bowling options. They're missing the likes of... Uh, they tried to fix that with Deepak Kuda, who made his... Um, his debut during the series, but they're really, really looking for a pant to, uh, sorry, uh, Pandya to come and fill that role for them. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward. They've got a lot of options there. Mm. They've got a lot of options, but they need to get that in down to, down into five. So they've got a sixth bowling option. Maybe Venkatesh Iyer starts to come into the calculations because he does bowl a little bit. Well, maybe they go with Kieran Pollard's theory from club cricket and whoever turns up first gets to bat at the top of the order. <laughs> they come on the same bus. Yeah, good point. Well, look, that just about wraps up this episode of the Top Order podcast. By our own admissions, we've run a little long here on these uh, couple of segments. Um, but hopefully you enjoyed our IPL auction wrap-up and a little whip around the world of cricket. Stay tuned in the feed, though, because there's so much coming up that we will be on your airwaves at least twice a week um, over the course of the next um, couple of months. But for now, it's good night and God bless from us all here in Auckland. We'll see you soon.